Adventure Seekers, welcome. Jedi, Ninja, and Wizards Tolerated. Hello, I'm your host, Ren Law, and here's today's quote. Releasing the pressure is good for the teapot and the water. Jeb Dickerson. Now it's time for AJNW News. I am reminded once again of a riddle wrapped in a mystery inside an enigma that is so secretive as to be totally indecipherable or impossible to foretell. That, of course, is referring to the working of any advanced martial art techniques. In Japanese martial arts, there is a omote and a ura, ura side to everything. While this refers to the outside that you show to the world and the inside that you keep hidden, you can also think of it as yin and yang, yin and yo, or um and yang, depending if you're working Korean, Japanese, or Chinese martial arts, although I didn't say that in the order of the nationalities. That would be yin and yang, or Chinese, or yin and yang, depending on the regional accent. Yin and yo for Japanese, although they also use yin and yang, and um and yang if you're speaking Korean. Generally speaking, this means you're going from large to small, hard to soft, with your techniques until at a certain point, you move beyond technique. Throughout history, most masters hide certain secrets, keeping them for themselves or passing them on in their final days. Miyamoto Musashi may be included in this group, as he intended to have the Gorin Nosho destroyed after his student that was to be his successor read it. But fortunately, the student had his brother, who was ingenious with his ability to memorize, read the book, and then recreate it, or else it would have been lost completely. Unfortunately, we never had the opportunity for Bruce Lee to pass on all of his secrets. As many of his advanced students have said, he kept certain aspects for himself. If he had lived longer, possibly he would have conveyed some of these truths as well. Fortunately, we have Steve Smith, who is able to pass on some of the teachings of Fu Kyung, who was the secretive instructor of Bruce Lee during his Seattle years. Moving on, it's time for AJNW weather. The weather outside has been improving, at least if you don't mind the rain. Still, there has been a slow but steady increase in the outside temperature, and the robins have returned to our area much earlier than last year. Looking out the window, as I check for AJNW traffic, I cannot see any headlights in the fog. But I have noticed an increase in deer crossing the roadway. I saw seven last night. Generally speaking, I have more deer on the road than vehicles. Although the vehicles do travel faster, that is, until they meet the deer. Coming up next, AJNW sports. The local bowling alley has been closed down due to COVID. I don't know if this is true in your area or not. Around here, COVID seems to have shut down about everything. Still, I'm reminded of the first time I went bowling. I was a teenager and had never bowled. So I went to a bowling alley with some of my friends. Actually, they were already there bowling and I went to meet them. I'd seen five minutes of bowling in my youth on TV before he changed the channel. And I had gone a time or two with my parents before kindergarten. Then 
They stopped smoking and drinking, and that was the end of bowling. None of my friends drank or smoked, at least not at that time. And so, possibly that's why we were such late starters with bowling. Not really up on all of the rules of bowling. I asked young man that was to later become the best man at my wedding the particulars of the game. His instruction was to put my fingers in the holes and swing as hard as I could to take down all of the pins at the end of the lane. As I was unaware of the nuances and subtleties of getting a proper fit, the ball stuck to my fingers midway through the arch. The vacuum released and the ball went sailing about chest level all the way across the bowling alley to bounce off of the far wall. That was my last time bowling at that alley. Next, we have a haiku from Sensei entitled Anchorman. Afternoon working. A confusing slide ruler. Newscasting reporting. It is now time to return where we left off with the introduction of Ruger Jackson, Xanderland, Book 7 of the Mystic Dreamwalker series. Ruger usually read his textbook during class while the teacher lectured. At least, this was what he had done in the past. This was his previous habit, and it had worked out well for him. He never got perfect grades, but he always made the honor roll, and it helped him keep a low profile. He liked keeping a low profile. It made life so much simpler for him. He had many hard lessons earlier on in grade school and junior high that had taught him not to do anything at school that would warrant his parents' attention. Ruger never played sports or joined any extracurricular activities as any disruption in his parents' routine could bring a harsh penalty. Ruger's mother was only happy when she was drinking or mingling with other wives in the officers' club. This assignment had his father listed as an NCO and Ruger knew it was already not a popular assignment on the home front. When he was a small child, he had assumed that all of the other kids' fathers or mothers worked in various branches of the service at one time or another. That was until he had let it slip once and it got back to his father. That night, his father beat him with a leather belt for 45 minutes. After his father was tired, his mother took her turn as well. This was normal for Ruger. Still, he never made that mistake again, but he had often endured such corrections from either or both of his parents whenever he broke protocol. Then, of course, there were days where he didn't know what set them off and often he missed school because his parents told the school he was too sick to go to school. The school would send his homework for him, and if anyone on the base stuck their nose too far into their business, they would run into a wall of red tape and regulations. It seemed his father knew how to work the system, although Ruger had witnessed a few times where an officer looking in on the child's welfare wound up with a blade to his throat and often being dragged into the Jackson's living room away from prying eyes. Still, no one ever pressed charges against his father, and on most assignments, Ruger found that all of the kids on base 
learned very quickly to avoid visits to the Jackson home. The other children also rarely had anything to do with him at school either. His parents continually told him he was not allowed to socialize with other kids. The only time he got to hang out with other children his own age was on assignments. Even then, he was grilled on what he said, but they were all debriefed and everything said was analyzed. Then the information from the debriefing was used to apply pressure on any potential alliances or bonding going on so as to keep them all isolated, even within their secluded bubble. No one within the group had trust for anyone within the group or outside of it either. They all had learned early on that they should have no expectation of privacy. It was no wonder that despite his athletic build, he had never had any friends, only male associates, but not buddies. Of course, there was no girlfriends. It was common knowledge that females were only used to turn allegiances and were not to be trusted. At least Ruger had his dream companions to keep him company at night. All his life, he had persistent dreams of a group of people that would fly with him across the skies on adventures. But these were only dreams, and the harsh reality of life was always there to greet him. These dreams seemed to stem from his daily practice when Rigger sat in mindful contemplation of being centered in the universe. Rigger had heard bits and pieces over the years, spoken by the parents, primarily fathers to their sons, about not making any waves with the spook's son. Some officers had called him the ghost child, but this isolation and scrutiny really hit home as Ruger reached puberty. He had been able to take the isolation earlier as his father had kept him busy learning and practicing skills that he deemed important. Stick fencing, climbing rocks, running laps, swimming, and general physical training was always part of his day. But as girls grew more and more interesting to him, the isolation on top of the humiliation that his parents heaped on him in an effort to keep him under their control drug him down. There is only so many times a child can take hours of lectures, isolation, being called a liar, lazy, unworthy, and told that no girl would ever be interested in him as he was a quitter and not smart enough to ever achieve anything before the child would start to believe it. Not only would he believe it, but he would have it so ingrained into his psyche he would feel that way any time he was down, no matter how many times people told him otherwise. But this upbringing was not done alone. His parents had help in their efforts. They had a handler that followed them around on assignments. He often did his part in making sure Ruger was indoctrinated to follow the rules. Many of the schools that Ruger had attended found him to be an awkward child and disruptive. He was either in a fight or staring out the window. Ruger, like most children, loved his parents in spite of the fact that Ruger was becoming more aware that he was only happy when they were away from him or when he was away from them. 
Several times his parents both went out on assignments together, and he was left under the care of a made-up family at one base or another. So far in his young life, Rigger had lived on at least nine different bases with his parents. Then on top of that, he lived with four different families with whom he had posed as their own child when both parents were away on secret assignments. He also spent a few weeks here and there as a foster child. These assignments seemed to please his parents immensely as they always came back happy. Paradoxically, Ruger loved these times even on the worst assignments, as he was posing as someone else's child. These events gave him a brief glimpse into what he could only assume was a normal life. He got to go to one school dance in junior high, but not with a girl he liked. His date was part of a mission assignment where he helped his parents by acting as a decoy. As he grew older, this happened more often and with increasing danger. On top of that, twice he had been able to go to other school sports functions. One was for a track meet, and the other was a football game. I hope you enjoyed this portion of the introduction to Book 7 of the Mystic Dreamwalker series. Come back next week to hear the next installment. My email is rand at rand-lawrence and my webpage www.rand-lawrence.com. I highly recommend martial art instruction. Everything I do has been influenced by the martial arts. I have no weapons, but a weapon can be made. Knowledge over power. Tokushi Kimpo. Keep following your dreams.